Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by State Farm. Around here, we love talking about movies that we watch, rewatch, and watch again because they're just that good. It's the thoughtful details, the little things other movies don't have that keep us coming back. Here's the deal. When it comes to insurance, we can't get enough of State Farm. They have all the details we appreciate. They make insurance easy. Monitor your coverage, pay your bill, even file a claim through their app, which is awarded Best Insurance Mobile App 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options and help you choose a policy that meets your individual needs versus cookie cutter coverage. Best of all, they give it to you straight. No gimmicks, no games, just guidance you can count on. It is a no-brainer. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Get a quote or find an agent at statefarm.com. I command this family, right or wrong, and this podcast was not what I wanted! (laughs) You sound like a fucking Massachusetts state trooper. The ultimate story of family. Come at me as you will. And loyalty. Give up my daughter. Power. And violence. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. The Godfather, Part 3. When they come, they'll come at what you love. All right, Chris Ryan's here, Sean Fantasy is here. I saw this movie with my stepfather in 1990, the biggest Godfather fan of all time. We signed in Stanford, Connecticut. Super excited about it. Refusing to believe all the reviews um, and that there were problems with it and that this wasn't going to be one of the great experiences of, of our lifetime. We left the theater and he was talking about it like if my mom had gone into a coma and the doctor's like, we don't know if she's going to come out. And he was like, she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. That was the kind of urgency and fear of just not being able to accept that this movie wasn't a masterpiece yeah. like we had built up for two years. They're yep. fucking making Godfather 3. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I feel like I it was wasn't. very excited for this movie even at a very young age, but hearing guys like you and Koppelman talk about it where it's like I traveled across Europe to get to a theater yeah. to see this or, you know, like... I had to kill a guy yeah, to get right. to go to a screening. Exactly. It's just wild. You guys must have been really bummed out. <laughs> I don't... I'm trying to think what the equivalent would be now for a younger generation. Star would Wars. It, no, I, I. It's almost like if if Pulp Fiction two was happening, yeah, or like Boogie Nights two, or it, there's no there's no even real way something that everybody respected but was also massive, and nobody ever thought it was going to happen. Then it happened. I'm. I think Star Wars is a pretty good comparison, and and a lot of people did draw that comparison. I think it's interesting that Coppola. Then Lucas, then Spielberg all returned to the well of their like original great trilogies or in the for case. For different, different reasons though. Well, they all kind of did it for money. Yeah. I mean, I, Lucas I, went back for money and Spielberg went back to Indiana Jones for money. And but, but they were all kind of bad. But the, neither. This is the difference of like Coppola selling sperm and blood for money, basically. <laughs> but see, He's like, I'm going bankrupt. But, I, who wants my blood? I, I, okay. This is a... <laughs> We're already way, way out of line here. He's like, I'm never doing this. There's no way. And then he has three three movies that bankrupted him. He's like, this is Coppola's sperm donation. (laughs) Bill Simmons, the rare. Sperm, blood, and Godfather 3. He didn't have a choice. He He literally needed the money, and that was the only reason this movie happened. He fully admits it. He couldn't even stick 
He couldn't figure out the Sofia Coppola part when all these people back that we're going to talk to. The logical move is like, hey, this isn't right yet. We got to postpone this. I don't have the right actors yet. No, they plow ahead because they got to make this December 1990 thing. It was a money grab. And unfortunately, uh, it affected the movie. I would say it's a movie about money, made for money, and that money is the reason it never reaches the heights it could have reached. And we can get into that, the reasons for that. But like, there's a very, very central reason where one paycheck might have made the difference in this film. Well, I think, and one paycheck and one, let's wait two more months. Sure. I think we were getting this off on a very negative foot. It has to go go negative. This is a flawed rewatchable. Yeah. I think it's definitely a rewatchable. Agree. I think there's some absolutely amazing stuff in this movie. I, I Agree. Will, I would even go to, venture to say that an argument could be made. Here's what I'd say. The Pacino's performance in this movie is as good as any... Don't say two. I, I would just say that it should be in the same conversation. Fucking throw something. At you. <laughs> I think it's in the Put same conversation. The you take it back. <laughs> I think I don't think it's anywhere near as like great. I don't think it should be rewarded for anything. But I think when you watch what he is doing in this movie and some of the like Pacino stuff that he does, it has the extra layer of of introspection and emotional intelligence that I think people criticize his later performances for lacking. You so, could honestly say this is his last performance that actually has nuance. That's what I was going to say. It is the turning point. And I think him not getting recognized again and not even getting nominated for this movie, confirming that the Academy does not respect the character of Michael Corleone or Al Pacino's performance of it kind of pushed him into this bizarre scent of a woman, you know, heat, no disrespect, like super duper over okay, <laughs> just the the overacting that he became really well known for. Last he, well, what did he get nominated this year for? Not this movie, Dick Tracy. Yes, a right. movie that sucks and has no cultural value at all, and came and went. That's because a lot of people like Warren Beatty, though. Yeah, and that movie was thought to be like a bigger event than it actually was. But he but, was like a character in that movie. Like, I mean, I know his actual character, but he was actually like a They were a like character. incredible yeah. makeup. Yeah, 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 yeah. He transformed. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, I, it's it's actually one of my favorite Pacino performances. It's really good. And, I agree. And, I just think two is on separate territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he sh- definitely should have won for two. I think it's kind of obscene that he wasn't nominated for three. And, you know, you look at the rest. It's like Andy Garcia was nominated. The film was nominated for Best Picture. And you mentioned the reviews. I feel like we should talk about the immediate reception of the movie and then the reputation that it built subsequently thereafter. We'll do it right now. So I went back and read a lot of reviews of the movie. And frankly, they were all pretty good. Ebert, three and a half stars. The New York Times is pretty much a rave with the exception of negative things written about Sofia Coppola's performance. Janet Maslin loved it. It was a critic's pick. I just read Owen Gleiberman's review in, in Entertainment Weekly. And he explains that it features like some of the most incredible cinematic cross-cutting you'll ever see in the final 30 minutes of the movie. He's very adulatory towards the movie. A lot of the criticism, I think the time review is very positive. A lot of the like mainstream movie criticism, maybe it was because people were sort of intimidated by the legacy of The Godfather and they felt like they had to say something positive about it. But for the most part, critics liked it mm-hmm. and it made money. I think the legacy of those reviews played into that though because people were so famously off with how they treated one and two. Right. That everybody right. was People like, coming out about two and totally being like, it's too dark. Yeah. There's this extra bullshit. It's going, going back, back and forth. Yeah. It's hard to follow. Yeah. So I think with three people are like, I don't want that thrown back in my face. So I'm just going to shoot a little higher. The There's some major flaws in this movie. But when you talk about the, the Oscar thing, 
the best actor that year was Jeremy Irons, Reversal of Fortune. He won. Great performance. Really good. Yeah. Costner, Dances Wolves. Robert De Niro in Awakenings during the height of just play some sort of disability yeah, to right. the hilt and you're getting nominated. Uh, Gerard de Bardieu in Cyrano. And then Richard Harris in The Field, which I'll defend because I like The Field. <laughs> Big but Bill coming out for The Field. Yeah, I like The Field's good. But imagine the... the but Pacino should have been in there somewhere. Yeah, Probably I mean, in the De Niro spot. Yeah. Or in the in the Gerard Depardieu, Cyrano de Bergerac part. Like I, The yeah, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences looked at The Godfather 3 and was like, no... Gerard, Gerard Depardieu. Depardieu. Yeah, right. The other one who got laid off. Look, everything in this movie is compared to two of the greatest films of all time. So that's why it's it's yep. the filter through which we view this movie is shattered because it's being compared to two of the greatest American films ever made. There's some really good performances this year that also could have been in for Best Actor, including Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. Is really I don't know if it was best actor worthy, but it's a really good performance. And then uh, in Goodfellas, which we have not done on the rewatchables yet, we might have to do a Patreon account <laughs> with the money going to like my daughter's soccer team or something. It's like we get to, if we get to here, we'll sign, do Goodfellas. I don't I, I don't think that's where the money should go, Bill. Ray Ray Liotta for best actor. Yeah, he's really good in that movie. Like really good. Yeah. He holds and the movie together. Is he better than Gerard Depardieu in Cyrano de Bergerac? I'll Probably. That for you, yes. But there are some good ones. Patrick Swayze in Ghost this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guy in Ghost, the evil guy? Tony Goldwyn? Tony Goldwyn? Yeah, sure. What was the guy's name he played in that movie? Is that a rewatchable? It's like Brad. Ghost? Yeah, for sure. I think so. He's so... Sam. Sam. No, Sam's Patrick Swayze. Sam's guy. Patrick Swayze, yeah. the other guy. Man. What a know. bad guy. That might be the worst thing anyone's done in a movie. Make a move on to be more. Disagree. There's some other bad things that have happened in movies. Yeah, but with with like Swayze Hannibal, right Hannibal there. Lecter, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, but he had to in eat. that movie, I feel like the guy was like, get off my train. That, guy is, <laughs> that guy's way worse. That guy's evil. A uh, couple things with the, uh, the Coppola money thing. So he had a, a dire financial situation caused by one from the heart and the cotton club. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back to back which basically bankrupted him and he lost all of his money from the two Godfather movies thrown in with whatever happened in Apocalypse Now where I don't I don't know how well, much he lost He also on tried that. to start a studio. He, he started a vineyard. Early. He was like, it was like the uninterrupted with LeBron and Mav <laughs> That's of what Hollywood probably directors was. in the early 80s. I think probably LeBron and Mav look back at American Zoetrope and think of it <laughs> as think kind so? of like a model. Yeah. Uh, He's doing a vineyard. Like the, the paradigm. His son tragically died. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. I think they were obvious. LeBron and Mav were operating from a stronger position of power. Than, what, say, than right. when Francis tried to start his own studio was, in the Bay Area. I was joking. I know. Um, I. It's interesting, though, to think about because his career and his choices really parallels Michael's to, like, a kind of obscene degree. Mm-hmm. And Michael essentially, like, making his fortune inside a very corrupt industry and then trying to go legitimate and ultimately achieving extraordinary wealth after going legitimate but then maybe not feeling good about it. Coppola, obviously one of the great screenwriter, director, producers of all time, famously couldn't keep his fortune together. And then as soon as he opens his winery and builds a travel business, he's one of the most successful American entrepreneurs we have, but he didn't get rich off of the thing that he was so brilliant at. He also was just all, it was all or nothing with him the whole time. I mean, it was like the, he had a a beautiful rolling estate in Marin or wherever it is and had a vineyard and is at the top of the world. And then it just comes crashing down. It's the roaring twenties into the great depression with him like three times over. So I always joked how my autobiography, there was like, what's, what would be the title of your autobiography? I was like, bet on yourself. And I would have like the Tillman Fertitta (laughs) photo, like close picture, but (laughs) 
Coppola was really the bet on yeah. yourself guy of all time. In a he, way, he was just you, betting on himself so every movie. Do you movie. think that Tillman Fertitta also? You like that idea? Wait, I want to develop the book cover a little bit. Are you like gazing at like a roulette wheel? No, I'm like, like this. No, you should have a um a betting Where's stub. Where's like, With a betting stub that says you, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> what is it dated? Is I know it it's a good like idea because Shay's trying to steal it. Shay might write this okay. book before me. Bet he on loves yourself. he loves bet on yourself. He's, yeah, he's he's stolen it. Um, <laughs> anyway, he bet on himself over and over again. Yeah. It works sometimes. Creatively, it, work it always times. works. It eventually worked long term. I think he's in a good spot now. Yeah. Unfortunately, he basically sold his soul with Godfather Three because. He never wanted to do this movie ever. And then even near the end, he wanted to call it The Death of Michael Corleone. He wanted to distance it from one and two because he wanted to make it very clear this is an epilogue. This Mm -hmm. isn't the third movie. It's just this kind of afterthought epilogue to what happens. And the studio's like, fuck you. We've talked about this this a lot over the course of the two other Godfather podcasts, but it's really important to reiterate that when you watch these movies and they seem like these tourist works. And to a large extent, they are. They are his vision. He worked with the same people largely throughout the trilogy. But The Godfather was the product of, as Sean talked about in the first pod, so many corporate machinations behind the scene. This movie was going to happen with or without him. Yeah. So he got on the money train while it was leaving the station. Like they had uh, at least a dozen scripts over the years. And every famous person with juice at some point had this dangled in front of them. They, like, I mean, hey, there's so many great things. We can talk about this for internet Save that research. for casting what ifs because we have to do the two, the biggest casting what if we have to do before we do the categories. Okay. Um, but. I was uh, just going to say that like this was, this movie was going to happen. This yeah. was not him being like, uh, Paramount being like, would you like to make one again? Paramount was like, this is one of our most valuable properties. We still have all these people in, in fighting age. Let's go. Let's do it. And, and the- if you don't want to do it, Somebody else is going to do it. And the movie, as a grace note to the point that you're making, is literally dedicated to Charles Bluthorn, the executive who essentially allowed the first movie to happen, who ran Gulf and Western, which bought Paramount in a very— And got in- involved in, like, some crazy European financial deals to try and save the studio. Exactly. Here's the thing, though. If he's not involved in this movie— it wouldn't have been taken as seriously. And the reason it's... I, I really yeah. feel that way. I, I just feel yes. like people would have this been mad. Why are you doing this? Film? You can't do this yeah, without sure. a cup. Yeah. Right. And you wouldn't have really any of the actors from the first two movies other than Pacino. Duvall would just run from it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the reason that there is greatness in it is because of him and because of his understanding of this world and the way that he works as a filmmaker. I want to set a Pacino which there's this lost weird 80s and got, you know, he was doing a lot of plays and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether there was some drug stuff with him or what was going on in his personal life, but he basically, he goes, he does cruising, which um, Tarantino says we should do that one, by the way. Yeah, we'll do that in 2039. We'll do that that for the Patreon. Tarantino said he's all in on cruising and then running it on his theater simultaneously. Okay. You guys can go to that screening together. Just me and Bill? Yep, leather up. <laughs> we'll, we'll dress up in one of Pacino's outfits. I'll wear the bandana in yeah. my left. Who butt. brings the ball gag? <laughs> then he does Author Author, which is just a bizarre movie yeah. and a bizarre Al Pacino choice. I don't know what was happening there. Then Scarface takes two years off, does Revolution in 85. I think he needed the two years off after Scarface. Probably. Yeah. I've never seen Revolution. I don't even know what it's about. Four years off, 
comes back with Sea of Love. So basically, it's six years from Scarface to Sea of Love, 83 to 89, which is like a I'm lifetime. A, I'm a big Sea of Love guy. I love Sea of Love. It's not quite a rewatchables, but it's good. But that was his comeback. He's different. He's got longer hair. He looks way, He looks like he had smoked a hundred million cigarettes in the six years yes. since the last time yeah. we Something saw has him. happened to his face. There's, he looks different. There's, my mom and I have this working theory that he was replaced. Right. I mean, that it, he became a different human being. It feels credible. There's like a body snatchers thing, but I think it's just the Al Horford thing. You just look old one day, you know? Yeah. Wow. When, I mean, when was that day for you? Last night. I saw <laughs> for me, it was four months ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think the counterpoint to that, though, is that his performances in Godfather 3, Frankie and Johnny, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and Sea of Love are all good. They're all good in different ways. Dick Tracy is obviously over the top, but it's a comic book movie. It's supposed to be over the top. And then you get the Send of a Woman, Carlito's Way, Heat, City Hall, and then he's just he's like, an fuck awesome it. awesome run. I'm yeah. going crazy. Yeah. But those movie, the movies he makes in the 90s are good, and his performances are good. You know, he's great in The Insider and Any Given Sunday and Devil's Advocate, but they're so big. There's no subtlety to any of those performances. And I don't know what happens. Like, after Glengarry, he, it's like he takes a, I don't know, it's like he takes a pill. But even in Glengarry, you know, the the, the pull quotes from Glenn Gary are all him, his big acting. But yeah. Glenn Gary's best scenes are like his quiet persuasion of Jonathan Price about like, have you ever taken, you know, walked into a train compartment that smelled like shit? Like it's like this, these amazing speeches. Yeah. So we're what are in, we doing Glenn Gary. Yeah. So know. we hit that. We hit 1990 here when Three's coming out, coming off Sea Love, and you have a whole bunch of people. I would say the generation I'm in. I'm in college at that point. The generation that becomes Gen X. We're growing up with this ideal that Pacino and De Niro are the two actors. These are the guys. Mm. These are our bird and magic. These are our, you know, LeBron and Durant, whatever you want to say. These are our guys. And they're not making movies anymore. Zion and Ja. Zion and Ja, whatever. They, the Brady and Manning. And they're, and these guys are basically off the grid because De Niro's not really doing that much either. And this is right around the time Blockbuster's taking off. Video stores, they're at the all-time height, and we're renting the same movies over and over again. TBS is starting to take off. Cinemax, HBO, these movies are on. And these guys, it's almost like what happened with classic rock stations where the band, the bands are gone, but then the classic rock stations revive the mm -hmm. band, and they kind of actually gain more meaning. My point is, by the time we got to 89.90 and Pacino's like, I'm going to fucking make some movies again, it was a really big deal. It It was like... See Love, I saw in the theater because oh, yeah. it was like Pacino's in a movie, I'm going. And De Niro was the same way with any movie he basically was putting out where it was like, it's De Niro and Scorsese were going on Friday night. This is a huge deal. And I and it all led up to three, which was like, oh my God, they're doing it. Pacino's going to play Corleone. And then you see the trailer and he's got the gray crew cut mm -hmm. and the, oh, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. And it's like, this is going to be the biggest thing that's happened to me in the holidays and it just wasn't so when you were when you were anticipating this movie how much behind the scenes stuff were you aware of because i went back and read some of the ew stuff about the sofia coppola winona rider that was a really but really I was curious whether or not like were you guys aware like yes. duvall's not in it sofia coppola is gonna play mary instead of winona rider like this is, there's a lot of shit <laughs> happening behind the scenes here so you're talking about the this really fun time in movie journalism which you would have loved where you had Premiere Magazine. I was alive. When was Premiere, Premiere Magazine, 1990? Yeah, like probably 89 to like 98, something like that. Yeah, 97. I mean, that was the heyday. And they're sure. writing about it. You have Goldman writing his New York Magazine columns, and you have VW writing pieces like that one about Coppola, which you can find online about Sofia Coppola, that has kind of amazing 
tidbits and gossip in it. There, it's a piece so that con- would not be the written. The producer now. of the movie is just like, yeah, it's crazy, and just breaks down. Like, <laughs> here's what happened: Winona Ryder shows up, and she collapses from exhaustion, and I have to call this person and that person. It's like. You would never get that these no, days. never. Unless the movie was a complete flop and you had a bunch of anonymous sources talking after the fact. You're right. And it's kind of this thing where as in the 80s, movie-going culture becomes a lot more interested in box office and behind-the-scenes information, then this stuff starts to collide. And a lot of these people who made their name at a time when the only people who really cared about this kind of information were the trades and the industry— and then it reaches this fever pitch, and you do get like 10 years of this pretty great, even if the writing is anodyne, like the information is crazy. And really good books, and yeah. books that either people were rereading from yeah. a few years before or then this new wave of 90s yeah, books. Yeah, this is like the the Bonfire of the Vanities yeah. complete fiasco, and then the book that's written about that movie, and it's after Heaven's Gate and all the, the book about that movie, and all these movies that kind of like failed, and the Peter Biskin books come along shortly thereafter mm-hmm. that. You get Raging Bulls and Easy Riders, like— that was that 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 is my favorite stuff. I mean, just reading. I that think stuff this is, my is favorite stuff. The '90s is the best movie decade for all the stuff. Yeah, and then you beyond have the, and the, then you have the indie explosion, right? Then you have Spike and Soderbergh and everybody coming out. You know, but I think help us on like help me at least understand what was driving the disappointment because I I came to this movie way later. All right, well we might as well do this now. There's two things, and they both involve casting. The first one is that Duval's not in it. The quick story, which I think everybody knows, but we'll just say is, just recap it. Duvall found out what Pacino was getting roughly and was like, I'm not doing it unless I get what Pacino's getting. Yes. So Pacino's getting like five. He's getting five. And Keaton was getting like Initially, he wanted a a piece of the movie and they wouldn't do that. He ended up getting five and they offered Duvall like one and a half or 1.2, whatever it was. And he's just like, fuck that. Um, So he told 60 Minutes in 2004, quote, If they paid Pacino twice what they paid me, that's fine, but not three or four times, which is what they did. And for whatever reason, they were pretty adamant about this budget, which was a 55 million budget, ended up making like $140 million. I this is until the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts a couple of weeks ago, the dumbest money decision in the history of sports entertainment. This isn't well, Duvall was gonna have like a walk-on cameo. Yeah. He was gonna be in the first scene in the last they by all accounts, like the movie was about him. Yeah, change the movie. <laughs> so it said he was. You Gordon Coppola had said he that Hagen character was going to be involved in running all the charities, but based on how the movie plot plays out, would have had to be heavily involved with the whole Italian thing that they're investing the six hundred million and all that stuff. Yes. He just would have been in it, and then you know, there's some really cool aging. Michael Corleone, who's just shit on Tom Hagen intermittently over the like, how does he feel about that now? How does Tom feel about it? And he's also the family's conscience throughout the first movie. And then in the second movie, you see him kind of get beaten down by Michael's evil, really. Yeah. And that interplay 15 years later and seeing like what that would have meant for their relationship and then what decisions they make together just would have made for a richer movie. You never get to see those two guys have a conversation about Fredo, which I think would have been so profound. And it was his last brother, even though they weren't like blood brothers, but Mm -hmm. they were adopted brothers, basically. And so Connie ends up having to take a much bigger role in the movie that honestly has nothing in common with the first two movies from what we've seen. I I do like that. I like her quite a bit. She's good in the movie. I'm saying, but just if you're basing off what we know about this character (laughs) heading into this movie, it's like, well, this is unrealistic. She's now, she's now a, a, 
manipulative matriarch who's pulling off shit. She was in think of her what like she's a fucking mess. Yeah, I think she obviously you see her evolve at the end of two when she takes on the more motherly role where she wants right. Michael, I want to take care of you. You know, like she is kind of evolving into that. But and she's she, still submissive though. Like yeah. she's sitting at his feet. Like I think what she's thinking about is legacy and Vincent and what role she can provide to you know, to to keep the family powerful and going and put Vincent in a position to eventually succeed. And you can imagine whatever the um, post-Godfather 2 life that she lived was going to be something where she found a lot of meaning in keeping up the connections of the old ideas of the family. That line that she has when Zaza comes in with Vincent to have the meeting and she's like, he's turned that neighborhood into a sewer. All the ladies tell me, like, she's kind of out there talking to people. I really like yeah. that one moment. It, I kind of wish there was more stuff like that in this movie. You want more, Connie? No, I just think that there would it would have been more interesting if they had talked more about what happened to New York because this is set in 79 and the way that the mafia must have both exploited and viewed the way that New York changed over the years. And then you would have thought they would have gotten heavily into the porn industry. I would have thrown that in for Godfather 3, too. Sure. Yeah, there wasn't enough porn. There wasn't enough porn in this movie. Of the Deep Throat movies. Yeah. The, uh, I feel like the movie is just a little bit too Shakespearean, too, because of this. It's like he's obviously King Lear. She's playing like a version of Lady Macbeth in the movie. It's like very on the nose yeah, at the times. Yeah, Mary, like it's like the star-crossed lovers. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the film. Well, the other casting issue. Oh, I should just, last thing, like... The Duvall to George Hamilton drop-off. It's brutal. It's like if we just replace Chris with some handsome actor who was trying out at the audition, but he said nothing the whole podcast, and we were like, we've replaced Chris. Should we Guy's just, wearing a nice you suit. You want to try it? Should we just replace Chris with George Hamilton? <laughs> See how it works out? <laughs> it, would, it would be about as good as it was in this movie. There's a moment. George Hamilton. When uh, John Savage comes right before he goes to Rome, and Al Pacino turns to George Hamilton, and they're having breakfast, and he's like, uh, this is, you know, his, his father was a great lawyer and George Hamilton just goes, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's kind of like... It's a subtle shot, though. No, but it's like, this guy, you were, his dad is Robert Duvall. <laughs> great actor. And George Hamilton's like, I got it. Yeah. I'm nobody's first choice. I don't, like, George Hamilton, it would be like having David Hasselhoff 10 years later well, as the, the lawyer. I don't get it's about a lot of the casting stuff and we can get into Mary, but one of the things that bugs me is it's like, well, they had Duvall and Winona Ryder. And then it sounds like a million other people were also in contention for these roles. And Coppola was like, I'm going to go with George Hamilton and my daughter. How about that? Those are the second choices. Well, did you read his his reasoning for George Hamilton? He's like, I wanted that lawyer to just look like a waspy, handsome guy. Okay. There's a it's lot like, of actors Okay, out there well, I'm, you, you could have yeah. found that, but also had somebody was who could Harry act. Was Harry Hamlin busy? You know, like. <laughs> Harry Hamlin would have been a step up. I, I think you just want a, a legitimately better dramatic actor in the part. And, they, like, they just throw it away. It's like, this is the conciliary, and he's not involved really, in the movie. Like, it's just, it's just uh, to me, I think you could make an argument that this, that that decision, the decision not to bring in Duvall, but to have that George Hamilton character, to have that character get the screen time he gets, but never really truly explain what's going on with it, is actually a bigger distraction than Sophia. You've always, whenever we've talked about it, you've always pointed to the Hamilton right, thing well, Let's more. talk about Sophia. Julia Roberts originally cast had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts. And this is post-Pretty Woman Julia Roberts. I think she dropped out for Pretty Woman, or isn't it? Whatever it was. Yeah, it's the same year. Yeah. Madonna wanted to play the role. She was too old. Rebecca Schaefer from My Sister Sam said to audition murdered on the day of the audition by a stalker, which ended up Awful. becoming... 
basically ground zero of celebrity stalking cases and all these laws were changed. Absolutely bizarre and sad that this was the day she was supposed to audition for the part. It's a terrible story. Winona Ryder gets it. She's coming off Heather's beloved. Coming off Mermaids. Yeah. I think she's actually perfect. And it's aside from the fact that she's a great actor and she's at this perfect moment in her career, there's literally not another actor alive who could credibly appear to be the progeny of Al Pacino and Diane Keaton. She has all of the dark beauty of Al Pacino yeah. and all of the nervy energy of Diane Keaton. You could sense that she could have a kind of a nutty, waspy mom and this brooding Italian father. That's what she looks like. And she is at the right time in her life. She could credibly play 17 or 30 mm-hmm. at that time. She'd already been a high school kid in a bunch of movies. And she probably could hold her own with Pacino and Keaton on screen. And Garcia, which would have been the most important thing. And they probably would have had heat. And she was fucking hot. Um, that didn't happen. She dropped out because we're still not sure. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Well, she was she was having a good time at that time in her life as well. She was very active. It's been a lot of, lot of uh, chatter. You can find a lot of chatter on the internet about the reasons for the exhaustion. We'll leave those alone. So, um, this dude in that EW piece, Ruse, the producer, he Fred says, Ruse? quote, after Winona drops out, I called Francis right away and we reviewed the other choices. Annabella Ciora and Laura San Giacomo. And then Francis said, I'm going to try Sophia. Wow. Uh, let's go through those two. There's a couple more with Mary's. Annabella Ciora, who is about two, three years away from being the mom and the hand that rocks the cradle. I think she would have been good. I think Laura San Giacomo would have been fantastic. I've always loved her. Me too. She was great in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I think there's a sexuality she brings. You get the feeling like, oh man, I can't blame Andy Garcia for this. I know know they're related, but holy shit, I can at least see this ridiculous incest plotline that we're about to get into. Same Um, same thing. Has a similar kind of energy as as Winona. That part has to be femme fatale because for Andy to want to even think for a second yeah, this is my cousin and it's Michael Corleone's daughter. Maybe I should make a run at this anyway. I have to feel like, oh my it's, God, it's you're like, going to risk everything. You cannot resist it. Yeah. It's this got, is not it's the case with Sofia Coppola. Uh, and then the other problem with her is she's one of the worst actresses I can ever remember in a movie. I actually went into this thinking, eh, maybe, maybe it's underrated. Maybe she's not that bad. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember and it's actually worse. It's as bad as they say. I it think really it is. It's really The only thing I would say that we bad. overrate is the importance. The importance to the movie. I disagree. There's a good movie with her in it. I just think that she's, I, I don't know. I don't know if Mary is like that important to this movie. I think she actually gets overemphasized in the criticism of the film. I disagree because every time she's on the screen, it's just a slow motion car crash until the scene's over. You know, you haven't kissed me hello yet. Relatives always kiss. <laughs> oh, no, we're related. I'm your little cousin. Who's your father? I'll give you a hint. He's Italian. Mary. Mary. I find it very distracting. She is she is also the emotional crux of the story. And the yeah. story ends with the great tragedy of her death. Sure. So uh, also the big tension really of the movie is that. is Andy Garcia willing to risk being the next on to consummate this borderline incest relationship. Is it incest if it's a cousin? Yes. What are the yes. rules? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is. Um, it's his brother's daughter. Craig, want to look that up? Yeah, sure. What just the doing? incest. Just look up incest yeah, rules. Craig, just, and then let us know how your Google algorithm is after you look There's that no up. There's my work computer. So. 
I have a lot of cousins. I've never at any point was like, eh, maybe I'll take a crack at this one. This, so would, this I would, would have say, been a great podcast if you had told us a story about a cousin you tried to take a crack at. <laughs> and one, that's how I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, we could go and we'll go into the flaws of the incest plot later. But I think it's complicated by the fact that Sofia Coppola, even though she gets the Razzie for worst performance, worst new starlet, she gets lambasted throughout, you know, in the media and just amongst movie fans. Basically, 10 years later, emerges as, like, one of the 10 most important filmmakers of her generation. She wins an Oscar for writing for screenplay. Like, she is a really, really important and present person in movie culture. And you never would have guessed that by watching her participate in a movie. I mean, she she looks like she has no idea what she's doing. She's so wooden. She didn't. She was, like, she, she was like, literally ripped from, like, a normal life and was going to visit the set. And he was like, you're going to play the, one of the most important roles in one of the most important movies ever made. That's crazy. She looked like that's she, bad coaching. It's also like when you we talk can about see her remembering her lines yeah. in her head as she's like, "Now I'm going to grab this glass of wine and give a toast and try to look sexy." To there are these amazingly prescient and also, in retrospect, sad. But it's not like Sofia Coppola has had like a bad life, so it's like you can kind of take it on as as what it is. But like Eleanor Coppola was like, "Is this like a form of child abuse?" I'm paraphrasing, but she went in her journals yeah. about the making of the movie. She's like, "This is I don't know if this is right." And well, she like, missed. Ah, go. She missed her calling because in 2020, people would say, "Hey, we're casting, shaming her. We're cast shaming Sofia Coppola. This isn't fair. Oh. She has feelings too." And it's like, no, she she's ruined the movie. It's just one of every those- scene she's in. I I I feel bad saying it, but some people shouldn't be actors. And f- for anyone to defend it or say it's not that bad, it's like, well, then let's let's not care about acting at all. Let's just put anyone in any part. This is, this is an important part. And when you see how good Andy Garcia is and how good Michael uh, Al Pacino is, Diane Keaton, and then you have her, it's like, you can't do this. We talk uh, about what good acting is all the time on the show, and we always use words like awesome or locked in or Donald. God, they're in the zone yeah, in right. this. And it sounds vague, and it's not. we're not using you know, the the Meisner language of explaining what great acting is. But when you see something that is bad, you know. You don't need the vocabulary. It's, you don't, you just, you're like, this is not working and it's taking me it's right also, out of the it's movie. It's just like, yeah. it's, it, she's in scenes with Diane Keaton, Al Pacino, and and Andy Garcia. They're really good actors. Yep. You know what I mean? Like she, she's getting blown off the court because she's, She's like, I just played, started playing basketball and I'm playing against the 96 Bulls here. Yeah. The only good thing is that she wasn't Bruce Will- Willis's girlfriend in Pulp Fiction. Uh, bad take. Did you know that there were other people who were up for Mary? Do you want to wait till casting what ifs to talk about that? Let's, let's wait because okay. we hit that pretty hard. Seven Oscar nominations. But Garcia nominated, Pacino not. Six, I, I 68% do, Rotten Tomatoes. I know you care. It doesn't matter. Um... Amazing Andy Garcia. I know we'll talk about him. Yeah, we're going to his face one time. What are we going to do with this guy? Roger Ebert, not only three and a half stars, but said, quote, I think Sofia Coppola brings a quality of her own to Mary Corleone, a certain upfront vulnerability and simplicity that I think are appropriate and right for the role. That's the worst take in the history of movie criticism. Freezing cold takes. We have a new worst take ever. Yeah. And it's that. Some people tried to make the case just that like her Valley Girl persona was appropriate for the daughter of a rich guy with who and she had she was a distant father and she probably was raised with privilege and she didn't really know how to communicate she was in like the a old club world. Kid. Yeah. 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 Like I think 
there's a case if she was a better actor, but that was the point of the performance, that would have made sense. But she's just not a very good actor. They had to go back and like redub her dialogue because like on the so set, there was yeah. yeah that was the big urban legend in this movie, and it's unclear what's true and not true. But they had to dub at least thirty percent of her stuff. But the the Hollywood legend was they had to dub like every line, and that she couldn't stuff. say Corleone the way that somebody who was in the Corleone family would have said. She was like Corleone. <laughs> Listen, we're going to be reliving this when Ben's running the ringer in 10 years. Uh, Let's take a break and then we'll get to the categories. That's when I'll be on Patreon. (laughs) Okay. 10 10 years is so soon. Manager for Zoe's soccer team. Great job, guys. (laughs) Let's go. Let's get one back. Orange slices. Good luck. Let's get one back. Hey, if you love this rewatchables podcast, I would encourage you to listen to our library where we have about 105 movies in there, but in terms of evergreen content, don't forget about our friends at Binge Mode, where they did the whole Game of Thrones, every single episode ever of Game of Thrones, broken down by Jason and Mallory, as well as just recently they did Star Wars. Every movie, everything relating to the movies, uh, it's just an all-time deep dive. If you love Star Wars, I would listen to that. And if you love Harry Potter, they broke down that one too. And speaking of evergreen content, the book of basketball, I did, I think, 22 episodes. All of them were designed so that they could live on for five, 10 years. Who knows? But if you haven't checked that out, check it out because, you know, who knows? No sports, not a lot of movies, not a lot of TV going on right now. And uh, evergreen content, like the rewatchables and some of the other stuff we've done at The Ringer, um, it's timeless, I guess, in some way. So check all those out. All right, back to this pod. First category, most rewatchable scene. We'll start with the Joey Zaza, Vincent Mancini showdown in Michael's office. Shout out to the Andy Garcia leather jacket wedding look, which yeah. I know is violates nine of Sean rules for a wedding outfit, but it, he pulled it off. Well, you dressed for it. That's <laughs> yeah. what Pacino says. Uh, really good drunk acting by Garcia, where she like Talia Shire takes the drink from him, but you can tell he's he's pretty tipsy. He's kind of three sheets to the wind when he walks in there. Also, he's, nice party. he's oh, Sonny's, like Sonny's bastard son with the bridesmaid from the first Godfather yeah. when he sneaks up to upstairs and Tom Hagen knocks on the door. So they actually has that look like. And the, she's in the movie. The The bridesmaid, the mother, you know, 12, 15 years later is in the movie. You, see, you can see her at the party. Lucy Mancini, is that her name? I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. You know the story and her character in the book. Talks about the, yes. his girth. Yes. The, the, the depths. That she had, you could just say it because you're. I don't know how you're waiting for us. <laughs> she, you you're like a, you're like a nine year old. Right now. <laughs> In the book, uh-huh. yeah. she. If you're doing a text reading of this, yeah, she had certain physical needs for accommodations uh-huh. that only certain men could fill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was Lucy Mancini. So there you go. Shout out to her. <laughs> Did you know that biting an ear and drawing blood stands for fighting to the death, according to Sicilian custom? Was not so aware when then. Vincent bit his ear. That was a. I, we're fighting forgive death. me. Is this pre or post Tyson Holyfield? <laughs> was pre. Pre, yeah. Some, some say. Do you think this is where Tyson got the idea? Some say. It was like, ah, I'm going to try that. You think Tyson was in on Godfather 3? Do you think he likes Sofia Coppola's Well, this was after Douglas Tyson when he lost the title. He's probably seen this movie theater, watched the ear bite, and was like, oh, I'm doing that someday. That looks great. <laughs> that scene's really good. I like Pacino's reaction. What does all this have to do with me? Well, he's going on behind your back saying fuck Michael Corleone all the time. That's it. That's one thing it has to do with you, right? Say it to his face one time. Say it to his face one time. 
Mr. Corleone, all bastards are liars. Shakespeare wrote poems. What about. I gotta do this guy. What I gotta do this guy? It's a great scene. There. Uh, so many good all bastards are liars Shakespeare wrote poems about it it's Montaigne also at an amazing point he would be a dog it, it's really it's some of the best dialogue it's very very stagey and theatrical but it makes perfect sense great Pacino trying to pretend like he's not in control of everything fascinating also like at the height of John Gotti Joe Montaigne obviously yeah just doing John Gotti in are real you, time are you pro Montaigne in this movie I'm pro Montaigne all the time and you know why my son is better than this, than anything you've ever been at in your whole life. <laughs> Searching, Searching for Bobby, Bobby Fisher. Fisher yeah. It's going to be the two of us, so you're not invited. Okay, cool. What? That movie's not that good, so I don't care. <laughs> you're not, we didn't invite you, and you're not invited. <laughs> okay. Sean so, and I are going to do Glengarry. Montaigne is also the original Ricky Roma. That's right. What's interesting about Montaigne, House of Games was the first one you're like, who's this guy? That's mm-hmm. 87. Great movie. Yeah. Awesome and he's good, and it's like, this guy's somebody. Yep. And then it's just, a matter of time till he's in a mafia movie. You're like, all right, who's who's grabbing him? Will it be Scorsese? Will it be Coppola? Who's getting him? Doesn't happen for, I mean, he's in a lot of movies. Then he makes three in 1990. Um, Bugsy in 91. Mm. Body of Evidence in 92, which is awful. And then Searching for Bobby Fischer. That's really when the career takes off. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's After when it that, all worked out just, for him. That's when he becomes I mean, he, he uses He got- never totally, I don't know, he should have been a good fellas. Yeah, well, I don't he was know how he was. He's a Chicago guy. He worked a lot with David Mamet on the stage. He originated Ricky Roma from Glengarry. It took him a long time to get into movies. And he was doing TV. He was in Chicago Hope. Yeah, goes on to being so. You're a fan as well, Mantegna. Yeah, sure. He's a great. Love actor. him in Homicide. Yeah, he also is honestly probably most famous for being Fat Tony on The Simpsons, and that doesn't mm. happen if he doesn't play this part. Mm. Next most rewatchable, the penthouse conference scene. Pacino or Michael Corleone giving everybody their gifts their piece, for, yeah. for a helicopter. piece of his thing. The helicopter comes in. I love when uh, I love when people are like uh, 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 they do the getting shot thing, and then uh, it's a good moment. The, the oranges come back there. They're, they're rolling Orange, on the table. Some great Al. Yeah, good to have Al back for Al Neary. Al Neary. Yeah, he's back. What do you guys think he's protecting of protecting uh, people? Uh, Don Atabello. He's be like, I, 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 I'll be right back. <laughs> Like, nobody was like, where's he going? You Gotta to- take a leak. Well, he was like, I'm gonna go get Zaza and try and talk him down. But it just seemed very like, oh, I'll be right back. Um, it was rough. I have I have a lot of problems with Don Altabelli in this I, movie, I was which gonna, we can get to later. Yeah, okay, well, well I'll wait. <laughs> that scene's great. I love that scene. That scene is like out of a different kind of a movie. It's out of like a, like a crappy, like 70s exploitation movie. It's just like, it's yeah. kind of like, gross and super violent it's almost i'm sure there is like a crappy 70s movie called like the commission or something like that yeah and but it it does work really well in the movie you could argue this is the best stretch in the movie because that immediately leads to the kitchen garcia great garcia i say we hit back and take saza out (laughs) (laughs) just going for it i say we hit back and take saza out and then she was like, you think you can overact? <laughs> Just when I thought it was at the pull me back I'll give myself a stroke acting against you. Chris, <laughs> give it. Will you shut up? <laughs> give us the, uh, just when I thought I was out. Come on, really give it to us. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. <laughs> there it was. <laughs> that scene's great. In the trailers and commercials, great cardigan on Pacino. Like he yes, has like the Mr. Red. the Mr. Rogers. Like it's he, so good. They do such great 
elderly signaling, like where it's like this guy is old now. He is getting older, you know? In the trailers and commercials, it was such a big part of drumming up interest for the movie that when he does it in the movie, there's like a payoff and the there was a payoff in the theater. We're like, oh yeah. It's the oh, we did it. It's the line from the Sopranos that Silvio quotes the most oh, yeah. when they're asking him to do Pacino. They're not asking him to do one or two, they're asking him to do three, even though it has this not great reputation. Yeah. That scene's great. Joey Zaza gets taken out. Another great scene. We have three great scenes here. Incredible set piece. That whole whatever. San Gennaro He loves to put the parade or a feast in a movie. It's a Godfather tradition. Love the rat, the like buy a raffle ticket for the car thing. And the guy's sitting on the hood. He's like, get this. This is why Italian Americans have a bad reputation thing. That's so, it was such a great moment. Yeah. And the whole, it comes back to the Meucci thing. Yeah. He's talking about Meucci after being interviewed, after talking about him in, in Michael's office. Italian Americans are great people. We laid the bricks that built the city. We have the artists. We have Meucci. He invented the telephone. We have Don Amici who played the guy who invented the telephone. Huh? And then the reveal of... Garcia and the cop on the horse and the cop uniform is just amazing. Joey Zaza. 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 It's just, that's a really, really, that's a really good scene. Really good scene. The shaving scene into Vincent going to pretend he's going to work for Altabelli is really well done. Yeah. Where Pacino's like, not only can I get what I want here, but I can make it clear to this guy, stay the fuck away from my daughter without explicitly forbidding him. But you want to run away with my daughter? Only you know that if you do, I will become your enemy. There's he's just a master chess from the from the Godfather himself. And that's kind of cross cut with his conversation with Altabello yeah. when he meets Luke. That's just a good scene. I like know? the line bef- you know, right before when he sends before he sends Vincent out is that the, when they come, they come at what you love. Yeah. Well, they also have one of my favorite movie tricks when the guy is getting shaved by somebody who there's like a two percent chance yeah, he yeah, might yeah. just cut your jugular. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't ever let Chris shave you. You don't uh, know. What, you what don't part of my body him. are we talking about? <laughs> just shave right here. Chris is behind you, shaving your neck. Yeah. You're just like, I'm 100% comfortable with Chris. Honestly, Chris doesn't want me to touch him ever. And if I do touch him, he gets very uncomfortable. So I don't think... Yeah, Chris, I think I would it, would be a funny, it would be a funny bit if my office, I turned into like an old-fashioned barber. <laughs> and like when people we came in to that. talk, I was like, have a seat. And I like put like a hot towel <laughs> on their face. And I was hot like, shaving cream. Tell me about your blog ideas. <laughs> Let me, uh, how, how high do you want the sideburns? <laughs> what are your thoughts on the NBA playoffs? Mallory. <laughs> I have an idea. Um, it's a, a video show. Uh-huh. Uh, people come into your office. Yeah. Chris um, shaves they, they give you a shave and it's, we call it the shop. What do you say? No? Phil loves that. No? It's great. <laughs> you talk about some ideas? Yeah. A free exchange. American Zoetrope presents the shop. <laughs> All caps though, so it yeah. stands out. Yeah, yeah. All cap the shop. Yeah. All caps the shop. But but Chris hosts the first two, and then somebody else hosts the rest. Yeah, and these conversations are uninterrupted. You know, they're just they go on. You guys, you talk uninterrupted. About, yeah. Okay. No, Chris is That's a, good. This week on the shop, Chris isn't hosting again. But yeah. one of our fact checkers is going to be running it. Um, the next one, Michael makes Andy Garcia the new Don. From this moment on. Call yourself Vincent Corleone. A little abrupt. I was surprised. I was surprised they jumped right to, "Hey, I'm going to hand the family over you." But I like the scene. I like how he sits in the chair. I like the the whole the whole science of the whole. You're now the new Don. How everybody reacts in the room. A little like making Craig the Don of the rewatchables. You know, it's like he's shown a lot of promise. Yeah, I'm waiting. He's, he's got shadows. a violent temper. Yes. You know, maybe he's. Um, 
You'll know when emotionally we do, entangled. When we do twenty one Jump Street in June, we'll know that that Craig's officially the Don. First, forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> yeah, is twenty one Jump Street on your number one on your hit list? Yeah, he asked for it. He asked me what I thought would be good. He also asked for Sicario, which I added to the list. Oh, did you? Yeah. Am I going to be on that one? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know I if figured. you were almost famous to me with that one. I think it's important. <laughs> it'd be that... funny to do that one without you. It just it goes <laughs> that, up that on would, our Twitter feed. That would Chris's. be mean. I think Rasilla has to be on that one. Yeah. Having heard Sicario? him talk about it. Yeah. He talked about it on his show and it was uh, it was very exciting. Maybe it's you, Rosillo, and Stanford Steve <laughs> breaking down Sicario. <laughs> the three of you. No? Sure. Maybe Sofia Coppola wants to come by too. I'm sure after this podcast, yeah. can't wait. <laughs> Vincent breaks it off with Mary, another rewatchable scene. You like uh, that scene? I, I tagged this only because it's Sophia's only half-decent scene in the movie. It's before the opera. Mm-hmm. She This is Love Somebody she's Else? She's kind of started to figure to act at this point. Yeah, when he walks away and goes, Love Somebody Else. She, It's about as good as we're getting from her and shows the potential of like, oh, this would have been a cool movie with a real actress in this spot. I'll always love you. Love Somebody Else. And then uh, I just don't think that there's really anything between them. Like I never buy it. Even the Noki scene, it's super awkward. Not specifically, not the Noki scene. No. And then the uh, the extended opera murder montage is unbelievable. And I would that would get my vote for most rewatchable. Is it though? I, I was going to say this. It is way too long. Exactly. It's way just too long. To, just the part when people it, start dying. It's it's that's cool, but it is way too long, and there's way too much opera. Yeah, the, and the opera is so obvious. My mom. This is her favorite scene because she's like a lot of opera, and I loved it. it it's a I I know that opera. I, I like that opera. Um, I I think it's a we- really well staged, but it's like twenty eight minutes. I mean, it's so. so what would you go with? Penthouse co- conference leading the Zaza out? No, f- first meeting Zaza and and Vincent and Michael in the meeting. That's oh, the that's the movie I wanted it to be. The year bite. I didn't want it to be a movie yeah, set you in it Sicily. To be a God, like a crime movie where this guy is trying to go legit, but still has his fingers in the pot. And the and New the York streets. mafia yeah. life at that when time they, honestly, was fascinating. So we are. How, how long have we been going? Forty-seven minutes. Haven't said the words Diane Keaton yet. Oh, it's coming. But also, have not said the words Catholic Church. Right. I, I haven't even said the words international mobile. <laughs> <laughs> International hey, you know what? I hate agreeing. It's a very complicated business. I don't know. You should have brought a cigarette. I really should have. What was that guy doing the entire movie? That guy? Is, is that guy's name Donald Donnelly? Yeah. Would tough. you put him in what's age it's the best Archbishop or what's age the worst? Day, and he has uh-huh. aged the most. <laughs> it's the best and the worst. He When he is on screen, you were just like, what? the fuck am I watching? But you're also like, this makes this movie totally singular. International. He's, he's basically doing Bill Hader he's playing a guy his, in the... He's <laughs> acting from his tonsils. Like he never opens his mouth. It's just like... Complicated in population. And he's Irish. Shout out to that guy. The Vatican Bank feels that international immobiliary will be safe in Mr. Corleone's hands. How did that guy get 
into Vatican City. How did that guy get into Godfather 3? They were like, ah, god damn it, Mickey Rourke, Nicolas Cage. What about this fucking guy? How about we put him in this movie as like the main villain? I think there was some salary cap stuff with this movie. I think where they were like, ah, we we can get George Hamilton to be our stretch four. I read that they talked about Albert Finney and we're getting on casting. And Marcello Mastroianni. But either one of those guys, like Albert Finney as the Irish sort of uh, go-between in the in Vatican City would have been great. Yeah. What's age the best? Andy Garcia and the concept of a bastard son is a great movie plot. Yes. It's because they, they, there's a something to prove. People look down on them. It's always good, especially in Italian movies. Uh, Pacino saying, I command this family right or wrong. It was not what I wanted. It was not what I wanted. Do it. You want me to do it? <laughs> yeah. It was not what I wanted. It was not what I wanted. He's so, and then he said, and right after he says, understand? Yeah. You know, like the understand the, is, is it's what overlooked. I'm talking about when I'm like the in all the movies after that, his overacting, he just goes for it. In this one, he's like, Oh, I lost my temper. You know what I mean? Yes, like he's yes. aware of his emotions. Al has I have for what's age the best. Al Neary, you're really in on Al. It's like Al. Okay. Fredo's murderer. They just let him around and keep him around for another years. Do you 20 think years. that they ever talk about Fredo's murder in front of Al? And Al's like, guys, I'm right here. <laughs> It's like after 10 years in, they're going... Like uh, when Kay is talking to him. don't disappear. Like when Al takes you fishing. Am I right, Al? (laughs) Al's like, yeah, yeah, we're good. (laughs) Uh, Italy. Sure. I always put Italy at what stage the best. Palermo. we have Italy in a movie, which is great. The the flashbacks to um, Apollonia. Mm-hmm. It's great to see best. her again. Yeah, sure. ah, it's just great to see her. I again. forgot about. I think she was 16 when they made that film. Bill. No, I'm saying the her. whole. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying the whole. Michael's it's true okay. love. She's Bill's cousin. So it's okay. Yeah, it's my cousin. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's <laughs> true love. That's the breakout. <laughs> because we're about to get to what stage the worst. Mm-hmm. Eve Apollonia, young love. Blew up in the car, blown up by his bodyguard. Tells the whole story. They had this scene where Sofia Coppola is even like looking at her like, in another lifetime, this is my beautiful young mother. Let's go to what stage the worst. Kate Corleone's hair. No, what just, the fuck is going come on? Come on, Bill. What is going on with it's their hair in this movie? What is, it's just like, can you make me look like a poodle? What can is, you make me look like I'm in the Westminster she's, dog show? She's great in this movie. What is the hair though? So we did this. When whole, was that an acceptable haircut? She she's not a ninety eight year old woman. She's like forty seven. I'm I'm not super into litigating Kate Corleone further with you. I, I just feel like you, you stand by this haircut. You, she's like Paul McKeskey's perm is on her head for the entire movie. She she has the Jack Sigma. <laughs> this is a good haircut. Is this like a category on the show now? Yeah, like, like what's haircuts? age the worst? What hair? Worst Kate haircuts? Corleone's hair. Yeah, age the worst. Yeah, I put it in there. So what stage the worst? Her I, hair in this movie is fucking awful. I think awful. That the incest is age the worst. I think the Noki scene is. I aged didn't have just it in order. Okay. Fine. I, I think actually, fucking Eli Wallach is in this movie. There's a 40 minute opera sequence, but you're like Diane Keaton's hair. I is started really, there. I I do think that this is the confirmation that your Kate Corleone take is bad. Like her, what she represents in this movie, what happens between her and Pacino, who we weren't, who in real life were in a relationship, and then we're kind of off and on for years and have this like, real life thing between them. Yeah. And then you have that scene, especially in Italy, the conversation between the two of them, which is really one of the great scenes in the movie, which we didn't talk about. I also really like the first scene where she's just like, I don't fear you, Michael. I dread you. you I'm all in on Kay and Michael, and I actually think they did a nice job with them in this movie. I do too. I don't understand why she had that haircut. Okay. 
Why I look like a poodle? Just give me an answer and I'll move on. I'll follow up with Diane, see what she says, you know, see if she has any regrets. I think that that the one thing I would say about her hair, and I'm sure this would get me, I'm sure some people will have some feedback about that, is that feels more like a, what was this, 89 or 90? Is this the Chris Gets Canceled portion of the podcast? what What year was this made? Why are you guys tiptoeing around 90. how bad her haircut was? And what am I missing? That's more of a 1990 haircut than a 1979 haircut. That's which true. Is when it's supposed to be. I'm going to say that's it was true. a never was a haircut. Okay, I'm trying to find it, I can't find it. Just oh, you. Well. I'll you'll, move on. You'll take any opportunity to criticize Kay. The second worst thing in this movie after her hair, the incest plot. What the hell was going on there? Why yeah. couldn't it have been like third cousins? Is why it, do they do that? Is incest more normal than I've been led to believe. No. Like when this happened on the, the most- po- no. This was a central plot on one of the most famous television shows in world history, Game what? of Thrones. Oh, well, that's that's happening in the forest in the 1300s. <laughs> Shit was going on back then. <laughs> Those are medieval times. But it's, it's, it's used over and over again, though, in stories. Isn't there some, If correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Vincent's- uh, the paternity up up for grabs? Like, isn't it in question? So, like, is there like a maybe he's Sonny's son? He's probably well, Sonny's son. He acts like Sonny though. He's like and he son. says it in the first scene. I, Pacino's like just calling like each father. other cuz. Yeah, I mean they're calling each other cuz. Sure, they know. They know. It's fucking weird. I, I, agree. Don't, I don't. The I, kitchen in '79 is that is this that big of a deal? Yeah. Yeah, probably. The kitchen seduction <laughs> scene? I don't know. I was just throwing it out there. No, Chris is making a decent point. Like, weird shit was going on in the 70s with movies. Like, Pretty, I feel like pretty I, Baby I with Brooke Shields, where it's like, like, hey, she's the 13-year-old hooker who's going to lose her virginity. Coming to you on Friday at theaters near you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is this? Did, did you know anybody in school, like, when you were growing up who, like, went on a date with his cousin? Like, took, like at least no. a lot of people took their cousins to prom, I don't right? know anybody who was like, I, I would like, take a crack at my cousin if it was legal. I've no, never heard that. No, I don't that. mean that necessarily, but, like, it was just like, if all else fails, your cousin will take you to prom. You guys reminded me what of what uh, prom is this? The fucking Star Wars bar? <laughs> you know Jonah Hill's character in The Wolf of Wall Street when Leonardo DiCaprio's like, "I gotta ask you a question. It's gonna be a little bit awkward, but you married to your cousin?" And he's like, "Hey, all these guys are trying to fuck my cousin." I'm like, "If somebody's gonna fuck her, it's gonna be me." <laughs> That's it's really weird how many movies and TV shows incest is a big part of. Well. I don't get it. In the kitchen seduction scene, people is didn't its have own hinge back awkward. then. You know, like they just had to do work with what they had. That's I don't how know you why found I'm your cousins. Pro incest. I, <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> pro barbershops and pro incest. Hey guys, I matched with my cousin on Hinge. <laughs> <laughs> is that happening? Oh man, the two-hour, fifty-minute running time is the what stage the worst? That's just a long time. Yeah, almost three hours. And uh, I just, yeah, once again, George Hamilton, I just wrote why, 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 why <laughs> next to it. Any other what stage is the worst? Yeah, I think that this movie has a bad guy problem. Now, I think the Godfather mm. movies in general are very creative with like villainy because this is a movie where the villains are the heroes. And I just don't think that Don Altobello matches up with Virgil Solozzo or, you know, There's nothing mean? sinister about him. And at all. Uh, um, just the dread of Hyman Roth and all the stuff happening in two. I think once Mantegna is murdered, although it's an incredible scene, once Zaza is gone, it just kind of feels like can't Michael checkmate these old fucking guys? There's just like the senior citizen wearing priest robes marauding Sicily. Like, well, I, have I, the- I understand that he, I, I, I get all of it. I'm just saying like in terms of the casting, in terms of the performances, it's just kind of like you're getting nuked by like these like 
really like kind of ineffectual people. I think that the problem is, is they wait almost two full hours to really introduce Don Lucchese. Because mm-hmm. Lucchese is evil. And he gets this like very, he gets this great line where he says, do you understand guns? And he says, yes. He says, finance is a gun. Politics is knowing when to pull the trigger. You're a man of finance and politics, Don Lucchese. These are things I don't understand. <laughs> you understand guns? Finance is a gun. Politics is knowing when to pull the trigger. And that's when you see mm-hmm. that there's this interconnected relationship between the Vatican and the Pope and International Immobiliare and the, the Mafia and that all of these things are all connected to each other which reveals that like there is no good. Everything is kind of evil, even the thing that it proclaims to be the strongest good, which is a big message of the movie. But we don't, I, when he comes on the screen, I'm like, who the hell is that guy? Yeah. Like, why is he important? What is his relationship to Don Altabello? And there's like a whole thing kind of in the background in this movie about propaganda due, which is like the sort of secret society that is supposed to unite all these guys. And like, they, you know, there's like all this stuff where it's like, they had to like ask Michael to be in it. And he says no. And all it, it, that kind of stuff is not in the foreground at all. You're supposed to just sort of imply like, oh, it's like the accountant and Gilday and Lucchese. They're all part of like this conspiracy or whatever. Well, it was a big part of seeing the movie for the first time. I, the movie's 30 years old. I've seen it a few times. I'm still fucking confused by it. I can't keep half the characters apart when you're seeing it for the first time. And, you know, like in, in one, they really set up Solazzo nicely. You have mm-hmm. a nice feel for that dude. He comes in, he's got the cigarettes, he's Sicilian. He's got he, the, the he's got muscle. two, three scenes. I'm yeah. like, oh, I, I get it. This guy's bad news. Yep. And in this movie, you're right. It does have bad guy problem. Because I, I was going to put this in casting what is, but we should put it in what's age the worst. Eli Wallach as Don Altobello. It's a miscast, but the, the, the frustrating one is Frank Sinatra almost took the part. And I think if Sinatra is Don Altobello, this is a totally different movie. They have to and get I'm out the so Marlon into Brando it. cue cards for Sinatra. Well, but still, he's. I think you need that kind of charisma. Yeah. It's got to be some old guy that yeah. you feel like, oh, I could. This guy definitely could have run a family. Important point I want to make about Frank Sinatra is that I've always said he's very cool, and I've always respected him, regardless of other things I've said on previous podcasts. And I, I did you get a lot of pushback from Sinatra Twitter? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because of what you tried to put on us on Godfather 1 podcast. Yeah, where we weren't, like, respecting Frank Sinatra enough. Remember that? It was true. And you, you can live with what you did, and it was some weird Irish Catholic versus the Italian stuff that was going on there. does not exist. It against you. I've always loved the Italian-Americans. Always been a huge supporter. I've always loved that one half of you. <laughs> Actors competing for the role of Vincent Mancini in the casting what-ifs. Hmm. Let's do it. Who knows if this is true, but Alec Baldwin seems like it was true. It, and seems he was like a, he had a real he chance. Dropped, I, he dropped out. Well, the, or yeah, maybe not. what you read, it was like it was his and he like decided to do something else. Classic Irish guy passing for Italian. Alec Baldwin. Super skinny and handsome in 1992. Late 80s, 90s run of like yeah. decisions is nuts. Well, he, that's like he, right around Miami Blues. What's right? like when he's like, I'm not going to do Jack Ryan anymore. Yeah. And I'm going to go do all these like weird movies. Do you include yes. I'm an American Basinger, even though who, it's it's a volatile relationship? Maybe I shouldn't do this. He's a volatile guy. Yeah. This is hunt, the year of Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage. Family member. Kind of weird. Yeah. The other ones do I don't Could have been good, though. Really? So, say that you want to run through the, like the, the just like the ones that are on the internet. Yeah. Tom Cruise. I don't believe that. Matt Dillon. I don't believe it. Val Kilmer. I don't believe it. Charlie Sheen. Maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Vincent Spano makes a lot of sense. Sure, mm-hmm. he was he had a moment there, mm-hmm. and then uh, Billy Zane. I like Anybody the else? the Luke Perry one. 
Luke Perry auditioned. Which is like a nice, like, once upon a time in Hollywood. That. I don't even think he had 90210 yet. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I didn't believe that one. I think they where they landed is, was right. So Sinatra for Altobello, the guys we just mentioned for Vincent, we've already Well, there's one more Vincent, which I this felt ha- really half-assed to me, but it does seem like it was true that De Niro wanted to play Vincent. Yeah, and then they would have and to age Pacino up They were going to age Pacino up, make De Niro older, and they decided not to do that. Coppola mm-hmm. did think about it, though. And then um, Joe Spinelli played Willie Chichi. That's right. One of Fantasy's least favorite characters because he was such scumbag. a coward. <laughs> scumbag. He was supposed Testifying to be- Testifying before Congress. He was supposed to be working for Joey Zaza, and he actually died before the movie. Yeah. So they had to write him out because he was dead. Great actor. Check out Maniac Cop. Made a lot of great, crazy exploitation movies too. So directors, over the years, Paramount approached Sly Stallone, Martin Scorsese, Michael Cimino, uh, Warren Beatty. And there's this one moment in the early 80s when Sly was going to write and direct it and have John Travolta starring. As as who? I guess Vincent. Okay. This was during their staying alive collaboration. Right. This and is in the like one, early 80s. Like 82, 83 range. Interesting. That was the first time they were really like, we got to do this. Eisner's still running Paramount. And he's like, there's hey, a, we got to do this. There's a r- rumor on the internet that Eisner took a run at the script. Yeah. Who knows? It's tough. Best That Guy, a.k.a. the Joey Pants Award. I'm going, going deep on this one. One of the two assassins that comes into Vincent's apartment. Oh, yeah. Bridget Fonda that yeah. he kills is also that guy who played Willie Lopez in Ghost. Yeah, we didn't even talk Rick about Aviles. that scene. Yeah. Nor have we talked about Bridget Fonda yet. That scene's bad. I didn't want to put that in rewatchables, but I still love it. It's bad, but lovable. I think it's a good Vincent scene. He's like, I want you to watch something. Don't make any sudden movements, okay? I just wanted to prove a point to you. It's just they're the worst, most incompetent assassins ever. Yeah. Joey Zaza's a thug. He's not a sophisticated gangster. He's got thugs working for him. Any other that guys for... Jump out. I thought that was a good pick. I think I never knew what that guy's name was. Uh, Don Novello, who played Father Guido Sarducci on SNL. Oh, wow. Plays Dominic Abandando, who is his uh, PR guy. Mm-hmm. And okay. you can, when you hear him talk, you can hear Father Guido Sarducci, even though he's not wearing the, the kit. But it's funny that Father Guido Sarducci is in a movie that's about the Pope and the Catholic mm. Church and all that. Um, I think John Savage is yeah, kind John of that Savage guy. Is Andrew Hagen. I mean, he's kind of that guy. Yeah. I feel like he's John Savage. Okay. Um, Deer Hunter was pretty big. Mario Donatone. As Mosco, the the Sicilian assassin. Who's your guy? Who is the Bill Hader guy? What's his name? <laughs> oh, uh, Donald Donnelly. Don, do, Donald do it Donnelly. One more time. Give it to us one more time. International Mobile. <laughs> you make him sound like Jabba the Hutt. What's, what's his line where he's just like, hold on a second. What's, he's got this incredible. It seems today's world, the power to absolve debt is greater than the power of forgiveness. It seems in today's world, the power to absolve debt is greater than the power of forgiveness. International mobility. Uh, now, now we know what Sean's funny bone is for the rewatchables. <laughs> I have no idea what you're doing. Like, I love it. It's so <laughs> off the rails of what that guy sounds like. I love it. It's like the cigarette ash is like all the way down. Yeah. Pacino must just be like, I can't. Everything he's doing is to keep a straight I gotta face. I got to ask Hater if, this, if that's where he's got Vinny Verducci, whatever that guy's name was. Oh, he, would be, yeah. he might have gotten yeah. it from this guy. The next category, Vincent Hanna, they knew award for overacting. The nominees are every Eli Wallach scene, Pacino's heart attack in the kitchen where he's really going for it. And he's like, uh, Fredo, Fredo, <laughs> and he just kind of loses his mind. And then uh, Pacino at the end. You don't think, you don't think Garcia at all? <laughs> what are we going to do with this guy? I, 
kind of, I'm all in on every Garcia decision. I think Garcia is great in this movie. He just, he's also, he, he hits every line with an exclamation point, though. He's also awesome in the Richard Gere movie. The cop movie. Internal Affairs? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. That's Bill. a great movie. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I swear to God, if you guys jerk each other off about some <laughs> mediocre cop movie again on the show, it's fucking the weirdest trend. Mediocre? What, what other movies have we done that have been that was mediocre? The, uh, Richard Gere, uh, come back here. Is that what you're saying? Proof of Life is definitely way up there. Oh, that's yeah. a terrible take. Okay. I didn't have a nominee. Proof of Life is the shame of the rewatchables. I just want you to no. know. disagree. Yeah, no, no. It is. disagree. It is. That's not true. Let's take it to Ask the people. Helen Mirren. <laughs> have you ever explained that on a pod? No. Would you dare? I just want to leave it. I'm just going to leave it dangling out there. Okay. I think it's a, there's a possibility Helen Mirren heard that, mo- that podcast. It's, I'm giving this to Pacino's heart attack. He really goes for it for 40 okay. seconds here in a crazy way. The Dion Waiters Award goes to, I don't know. Let's go Wallach. Wallach. I'm too old to know anything about those new people. I must accept my age and grow my olives and tomatoes. (laughs) Can we just talk about Eli Wallach really quick? Well, we can talk like his the history of Eli Wallach. Just like a couple of key points about him. Obviously, he's really one of the most beloved and respected character actors of his generation. Very influential actor on a lot of people. Has this bizarre history of playing characters that are not his ethnicity. Like he's in the Sergio Leone movies as like a Spanish bandit or a Mexican, Mexican bandit. bandit yeah. Um he's in this movie as a mafia don. I mean, Eli Wallach is like a is a Jewish American actor mm-hmm. who is very evidently a Jewish American actor. It's not confusing at all. And like that's not always true for every actor that whatever their their race or their ethnicity is should necessarily hold them back. But he keeps being used throughout movie history as this like um, figure of various ethnicities. There's this famous story that he was supposed to originally play the part that Frank Sinatra played in From Here to Eternity. Yes. And also an Italian-American. And then he gets the part that Sinatra is up for in The Godfather 3. Exactly. And he's obviously a great actor, but I, the parts that he takes and that he gets cast in, I always find so weird. I don't know what, like, what accounts for that. I didn't like the casting at all of that. I don't, we're heading to a recasting couch. And I guess we could start there because I have two other roles I would recast. But um, I don't know who the, well, it has to be somebody who is Italian in the late 80s. Sinatra, who really couldn't act, but at least had the charisma. But it's got to be somebody of that era. And I'm not really sure who it you is. You could age up Paul Servino. I mean, like there's. Well, Paul Servino is doing Goodfellas. I know, can't right? cross the beams okay. in 1990. I think that the interesting thing about Wallach is it's an example of how thin the margins were for error on these Godfather movies. And yeah, you could make the argument that he's trying to go back to the, um, the Lee Strasberg well a little bit here yep. where it's like, oh, nobody would expect this. I'm going to zag here. I'm going to grab this, this guy. You know, Wallach's obviously played heavies before, so it's not that out of the question. But but in a way, so it many telegraphs these... it too much because of that. He's played the bad guy in so right. many movies that I'm like, it's so obvious that he's the bad and guy he's, when he's you're watching gonna the movie. He's going to be this dodering old guy who just keeps waddling into a room and being like, here's a million dollars. I love you. Yeah, yeah. You and know, even like, early in the movie when they're in the car together and he's like, you know, he says something, he's like, treachery is all around us. Yeah, right. And then he's like, you've had your fingers on the strings the whole time. You know, he indicates like in the first hour that he's the puppeteer of the movie. And then to your point, the point you guys are making about the villain thing, like the air kind of comes out of the movie a little bit too. And you're like, okay, so it's Donald Tabello. Like, that's just it. He's mm-hmm. he's trying to put one over on Michael and Michael knows. Right. And is known for most of the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. really weird. Dennis Farina. Too young. Well, he was up for Zaza. Farina. 
Farina was it was Mickey Rourke, John Turturro, and Dennis Farina were apparently in talks for Zaza. That was a bad, bad casting. I don't think he was good. You got to have an old guy who's like, I'm. I might go just work with olive oil and tomatoes. Like I just, you guys just leave me alone. I'm okay. But in, in reality, is would you've done David Crusoe as Don Altavello? Yeah, aged or not aged? Sure. Yeah. Crusoe could have done anything at that moment. White wig, Caruso, just going for it every scene. <laughs> Why not uh, Donald wig. Donnelly playing both roles? <laughs> Should Donald Donnelly play every part in the film? Yeah. So recasting couch. I'm already on the record. I think Laura San Giacomo would have been an amazing Mary. Okay. I, li- I really like that I like one. That but one too. I have a more important one. George Hamilton's part. I have three runners up that I want to throw at you and then who I think would have been an unbelievable person for this role that really would have taken to another level. The runners up. Richard Gere, if we're just going handsome, charismatic, it's got to be a something. bigger part, though. But maybe you, I'm saying you you can't build the part up with George Hamilton because it's like David Hasselhoff. Right. I'm saying you have one of these actors, you can actually build the part up. Harrison Ford. Mm. Interesting. My second favorite choice, Paul Newman. What about Paul Newman as Don Altobello? Mm. Mm. Oh, there you go. That's good. This is that's see, good. This is, we're just working together here, guys. So good spitball. I would suggest one more person in that vein. Well, I have my. What about my, Paul, you have your pick? I have my winner. Okay. Paul Newman is Archbishop Gilday. <laughs> How, International immobility. <laughs> <laughs> I got some laughs in the other room there. Yeah, that's big. Look at that. Nice, the other nice room. job. My pick, and it's an unassailable pick when you consider 1989, where we are. Just in IMDb land. Can I guess where you're going? Don sure. Johnson. He's nominated for multiple Oscars right. that decade. William Hurt. That's exactly what I was thinking. If w- no, William you're right. Hurt you're is right. a I'm fucking no-brainer. That's yeah. who I was thinking. He he kind of looks like Duval. Yeah. You could say it's like Duval's oldest son so is let me ask now you, the conciliary. A couple of times when they in in, in half ass internet research, especially like when we, we talk about this, there was they, they were getting into some pretty like, well, what if we just recast this part? What do you feel about how would you have felt if they had just recast the role of Hagen and it was William Hurt? No, I can't do that. Okay. I, I'm anti recasting. Okay. But they, I think they could have said William Hurt's his oldest son. He went to Harvard. He's um, the Andrew Hagen's part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You take the John Savage thing and you make that guy William Hurt and he's the new conciliator. You think the, the one problem with that is if I'm Tom Hagen and I have a son who's at Harvard and he's like, Dad, what should I do with my life? I would not be like, you're going to want to work for Michael Corley because yeah. I had a great experience. He's but- only killed two of his brothers <laughs> and sisters. It's a good point. Although don't, he's don't gone get, legitimate. Don't get thrown off if he disappears for a solid six months and gets married to a Sicilian woman, <laughs> then comes back and has you orchestrate an abortion for his wife. <laughs> Other than that, great boss. <laughs> the only other recasting catch I have is Diane Keaton's hair in this movie. Half-ass internet research. Did you have a preferred hairstyle? How about something that does look like a poodle? She can't. She has to have a lot of regrets. She's a very attractive lady, Diane Keaton. I don't get a, a ton of regret from Diane Keaton. Yeah. I think she's a very confident yeah, woman. That's a good corner for you, though, I think. We should talk about Kay on every pod. <laughs> if you guys want to defend that haircut, Godspeed. <laughs> The first draft was written, half-assed internet research, first draft written in 1979 by Dean Reisner, whoever that is, based on a Marapuzo story, built around Anthony Corleone, who was a naval officer working for the CIA, and the Corleone family's involvement with a plot to assassinate a Central American dictator. Came in a little hot, apparently, for the studios. How do you feel about what they ultimately decided to do with Anthony and making him an opera singer? I kind of liked it. Yeah. I think it's like a 
it's like a choice that they made just to have one scene. So it's fine, but like it's essentially like whether or not Michael lets Anthony sing is sort of like a stupid subplot. What about the scene when he sings to the family at the little gathering at the restaurant? Were you moved by that? I was. I was not honestly. Hmm. Bill, that the, the, did he pluck the strings of your heart when he yeah, sang? Yeah, because that they had the song? Apollonia flashbacks. The That's only true. time Michael was truly happy. That's true. Is that like when Ben Simmons um, plays the bass for you? Is that <laughs> does he <laughs> sing? A, he's playing Metallica at ACDC. <laughs> the uh, Sofia Coppola played Michael Corleone's infant nephew in The Godfather in the baptism scene. During the the murder montage, she's the baby. She played a small immigrant child in the Godfather Two scene when young Vito arrives at Ellis Island, and then was in this movie. One of the only people that's in all three movies. Hmm. The actor who played Anthony Corleone, they had a casting call. They tried out two thousand people before they landed on him. Couldn't tell you that. Has never name. been seen again. I don't remember his name. That's all I got. Unless you have any more. Uh, the one that I think, if you had read this at the time. You probably would have been like, A, this is sacrilegious and also like nobody needs this. And now, especially after this conversation and how high we are on Garcia, I would, I would actually be really excited to, to see it. Was that Andy Garcia once said that there was a planned fourth movie starring him as Vincent mm. and Leonardo DiCaprio as young Sonny and that it would mirror the structure of Godfather 2. I'd love to see it. I, w- I, I mean, here's the thing is the question is, we had Godfather 3 to step down from Godfather 1 or 2. Would you have been mad at Godfather Four? Would you still have gone? Would you still have been interested in seeing it? I'm always. Or are you the, only like it's got to be Michael? It's Michael's story, and once Michael's dead, Godfather's dead. So it's like the what they basically did with Rocky Balboa, right? Where Sly was like, "Eh, Rocky Five never happened. Let's do this again," and just basically rebooted it. No, I, and then with Creed, they basically pretended everything after Four didn't happen, right? No, but this wouldn't step on those toes. I mean, you wouldn't really have, it wouldn't be a Michael movie, but you'd be able to do De Niro and DiCaprio together who are going to be in a movie now, yeah. next year, but have never had never worked together before or not since this boy's life, which I guess is right after this. Wait, De Niro, yeah, no, it would have been, this would have been Garcia as Vincent. Yes, but De Niro and DiCaprio as young Santino right. and young Brando's character, young, gotcha, young Vito. Vito. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see it. Honestly, I Where mean, would you have positioned? I think it would have been interesting to have like Garcia in '90s New York, like as Giuliani's coming in. You know, well, no, it, you would have had him late '80s, like battling John Gotti and that whole crew, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like the the Dinkins time, sure. You know, where, um, I mean, that was when like Vinny the Chin was yeah, on, yeah, on yeah. the tabloids all the time. I mean, the, the Italian that's mafia. The, I think that's what the Bridget Fonda character is supposed page to be, six. like Grace, kind of like yes. she's supposed to be, kind of like this tabloid covering reporter, that. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I have one more Don Altobelli. What if it was Brando? I think that would be too distracting. Yeah. He's 18 years older and significantly heavier. Mm-hmm. It would almost seem like a different human being. I just think it's way too distracting. Because he made The Freshman with Matthew Broderick, what, a year later? Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. a bad movie. No, I like that movie. This, I mean, Coppola only made six more movies after this. I mean, he really didn't. 30 years have passed since The Godfather Part Three. Literally twice as much time, almost twice as much time as has passed between Godfather 2 and Godfather 3. More time has passed since the first, uh, since the last Lord of the Rings movie that we saw than the time between Godfather 2 and Godfather 3. Like, 16 years seemed like a lot of time, but it wasn't. It's not been 30 years since the last Godfather movie. I feel like I would watch another Godfather movie. Sure. I really, I, 
what do, what do we have to lose here? We already had Sophia in three kind of like ruining a, an otherwise kind of fascinating document. I think you would have to set it now and make it like grandchildren and stuff and have all new characters. Yeah. Use, use it that way. I don't mm-hmm. think you can remake stuff. Apex Mountain, Andy Garcia. I'd say yes. Yeah. Hmm. What does he do after this? Internal Affairs. It's a fucking great movie. I got you guys. You fucking, you know you got me. I got you on this one. I, you guys should just go get an Airbnb. Mike, just, just, yeah. just put that, put that pot Is on the Madeline Patreon. Stowe in that movie? Who's the woman in that movie? <laughs> Who's the woman? Nancy in- Travis, breakout performance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lori Metcalf's in it. That's right. She's a cop, right? Richard Gere's in it. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of people in that movie. That movie's good. You guys done? Yeah. <laughs> Any other Apex Mountain? The Vatican? I mean, definitely Donald Donnelly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, uh, Sophia Coppola acting jokes? Yep. Yep. George Hamilton? Women's hair? Yeah. Not a lot of Apex Mountains. Picking nets. Incest? No, I guess Thrones is incest. That <laughs> was later. Thrones. Okay. Picking nets. I got one. I, I'm just going to throw it out one more time. Why wasn't everyone more horrified by the incest plot? I can't believe like Ebert wasn't like, yeah, this movie. So what's a, going on right. here? I'm Hopefully. telling you, we're on the outside looking in of the incest wave. There's something going on in the culture. People are like incest, maybe not so bad. And we're mortified and can't understand back it. In the, back then or now? In perpetuity. I have a picking nit. Yeah. What's the um, vetting process for Archbishop Gilday to become in charge of all of the uh, Vatican's finances? Like what's the zip recruiter talk there? I mean, this is sort of, kind of, sort of based on a true story. Hey, how, how about the nervy guy who smokes a lot? Let's put him in charge of the bank. <laughs> who talks like a lizard. Uh, <laughs> the guy from V. It's just like, let's put him in charge. That Vatican, if we're doing nitpicks, like that Vatican stuff is so hard International to follow. Mobiari. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, you need like a, can I take, do I have to take a quiz after this yeah. to follow the 40 really characters and 19 subplots? My big, like kind of unanswerable question slash nitpick was like, what happened to the $600 million? Like what, happened to the Immobiliari deal. Like, so Mary dies and then we get this little, you know, this epilogue where we see him die. But like in between, like did the deal close? Is he in charge of mm-hmm. the the finances for the Vatican bank? Like, do you want to do your impression of the guy telling everyone the deal's closed? <laughs> <laughs> the deal for the international Immobiliari. has crossed the final hurdle. We've closed. We've wired the account. Uh, another place of forgiveness. <laughs> I'm just Michael Don uh, Corleone, <laughs> International Mobiliari. <laughs> what, what are you doing? What is that bit? It's a bit that is. It takes on a life of its own. Okay. It's now. It's like self-sustaining. Yep. It's great. Thanks. I fully support it. <laughs> I have some more nitpicks, but basically this whole movie is a nitpick. I, I wish they had had a scene where he goes back to where Apollonia blew. I wish they'd played up the Apollonia thing and had it be like— Jesus. You got no. you to just steer out of this one. Yeah, you do a K-turn here. You gotta, you gotta, you're in a small street. You, it's the Godfather trilogy. Why are you so fixated on Apollonia? Stick with me. He's back in the homeland. Uh-huh. He has Germany? this thing with Kay that's being resolved, but he also has this unresolved thing with his first wife that clearly when the sun sings and he gets these flashbacks, he's got it. I think he takes Kay to the house that he lived with Apollonia and comes clean about the whole marriage. And that's a fucking awesome scene. That that would have been cool. We 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you. It would have been cool. If- Thank you. Thank and thanks for your patience. As I as I, Sean just jumped on the point before I had a chance I thought to you land were, the plane. I honestly thought for a second you were like he's back in the homeland and he finds out Apollonia had a twin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's still 16 though. She hasn't aged a day. <laughs> Turns out she's his cousin. <laughs> I think I mean, you you just you are very emotionally attached to that part of the story in one, which you talked about, and you like that. I think that was his true love. I don't think Kay was ever his true love, and I think as he's heading toward death, he's like, ah, maybe she was my true love. But it was really Apollonia. I gotta say, the whole true time. love is like the eleventh most interesting thing about the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Best quote: "Treachery is everywhere. Finance is a gun. Politics is knowing when to pull the trigger. It's dangerous to be an honest man. Never hate your enemies. It affects your judgment." Never hate your enemies. It affects your judgment. That's a good one. That's my approach. That's Sean has that. That's on behind his desk. Yep. He who builds on the people builds on mud. Mm-hmm. I don't need tough guys. I need more lawyers. And then all the other quotes we mentioned. Next, Michael. Category. Now they'll fear you. Maybe they should fear you. All right, go on. Get out of here, Michael. Yes. Now they'll fear you. Maybe they should fear you. It's like good, that good one. Pacino. Yeah. Could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? I would say, yeah, if they said it in the modern era. I would not remake this movie into a 10-episode Netflix show. But if they did the grand, If they were just like, if Netflix was like, here, Francis Coppola, take $200 million and make a Netflix show about God, about the Corleone family. Yeah. So we have to wait for him to go bankrupt again before it happens. What about the life and times of Archbishop Gilbert? <laughs> well, it's a wrap uh, for him because Al Neary, able, like, like he makes the run into the Vatican. Vatican, not a lot of security. Probably unanswerable questions. I only had Vincent went from wearing a leather jacket and being a hothead to just wearing Armani and becoming the Don really fast. How does the payment— It happens in two scenes. I don't think that the times—I I think it's unclear how much time elapses in this movie. Well, so, oh, I had that for a nitpick. So, so it's a long time. When is Godfather Two like the fi- when he kills Fredo? What year is that? You think early sixties? Mm-hmm. It's right. It's when uh, Cuba is being overthrown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so sixty fifties early sixties. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the right week after. But then he doesn't forgive him for a while. Then Mama dies. So, so that could be like two years. three years after. Yeah, fifteen years later is Godfather Three. Because yeah. like so sixty five to seventy, and then seventy nine is when Godfather Three starts. And how old do we think Mary is? She says, like, when 17, you were, right? yeah, I think because she says I was the eight when you were 15. The math because we see her in Godfather 2, and she's, like, four. Because she's like, Michael, give me, Anthony, give your mother a kiss, and Mary's I, in that ah, scene. I think you could make the case that it's, like, 64, 65 when the movie ends, mm-hmm. and then 12 or 13 years transpire. Well, there's that one scene when Michael and Al Neri were talking about the 61 World Series. Mm-hmm. Michael lost... No, that didn't happen, Chris. We, what? I could tell Chris was zoning out. I was just throwing <laughs> fake stuff. I have no other answer. That totally question. could happen Chris, in those who, movies. Who won the 1961 World Series? Is that Bobby Thompson? Is that 59? Mazeroski. Okay. Are you just toying with Do you me? know who, what team Mazeroski was on? The Red Sox. Pirates. Okay. I'm not who, a baseball historian. I'm sorry. I didn't know that was a qualification. Who, who, about who won the, the movie? movie? Shame on you. Uh, Pacino. Eh? Wait, eh? Garcia? Is that a Garcia case? I think Pacino. I agree. Only one guy got nominated for an Oscar. That's not the be-all and end-all of what we're talking no, about no. here. I P- think it, Pacino I think wins it, it but I think Garcia Pacino makes a better run than I think I realized. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta just take a look at my guy's career at this point. 
And Andy Garcia or yeah. Al Pacino. Do you Andy think there's Garcia. any way to re-edit this movie into like a two-hour movie that is coherent? So what would you cut out? You cut. I cut, cut out I a cut lot down, of the Vatican I cut down stuff. the opera the by opera like 20 minutes. Down. Yeah. I would probably, would you edit out? I'd how much, more how much of Mary would you edit out? Oh man, I would edit out a ton. How much more international <laughs> would you put in? <laughs> How much they, more finance? I mean, that's the thing is like, what do you, t- I want more Zaza. I want more New York. I want more like Michael kind of like picking judges and doing charities and stuff like that. The Could they do the Irishman technology and have Winona Ryder and the Sofia Coppola part? I mean, they probably flip could. it. Technically, they probably could. Deep fake. 1986 to 1990, Andy Garcia. Eight Million Ways to Die. Mm. The Untouchables. Stand and Deliver. Black Rain, Internal Affairs, The Godfather Part 3. Should we do Garcia Month on the Rewatchables? Black Rain, he gets beheaded. Spoiler. And then it's actually Spoiler, his... Spoiler, Craig, sorry. His career goes into a weird... You'd think he would springboard when's off the, uh, of the Academy Award nomination. When's it, what, is it, what's the John Avnet movie he makes with Meg Ryan where she's an alcoholic? Uh, when a Man Loves a Woman. That's oh, that one. movie's good. Yeah. yeah I like that movie. movie. He Who's, then thinks yeah. to do in Denver when you're dead Have after you that. Been? Movie I like that's not great. Dangerous Minds. Steel Big Steel Little Night Falls in Manhattan. No, like he kind of falls apart here. He's cut out of Dangerous Minds. He oh. made it, but they cut oh, every scene right. in the Scenes movie. deleted. That's what it says. It's a big one. When oh. we, We'll talk about when we do the Dangerous Minds rewatchables this summer. I've definitely not seen that movie since it came out. Yeah, it's not rewatchable for me, personally. As you know. It's, I, it's the 1961 World Series of movies for me. Pfeiffer solo pod for you? As you know, I have some strong Pfeiffer feelings. I would do Tequila Sunrise with you. That movie is her Kobe 81 point game. Dangerous Minds, not yeah. Fabulous Baker Boys. Fabulous Baker Boys, she has help. Dangerous Minds is she's just like clear out. If you had to do the scales of justice between Michelle Pfeiffer or the sixteen-year-old girl in Sicily, um, <laughs> what would you? <laughs> you America's going to be with me as always. You're wrong about Sinatra, Bill, and you're wrong about this. We can. Pacino's tell you true right love was that- his first wife. Okay, in our Corleone. And she was he your, settled your as well. He, he settled for K. He settled for K. Okay. K was not a challenge for him. Apollonia, you think she was a big challenge? She think she was really yeah, like pushing the- she, The father was ready to kill him and won. That's true. We K, talk- it's just like, hey, I'll show up at your school. You've, I haven't seen you for five years. Climb into the limo. Leave all these kids in the lurch. Let's have some kids and they don't ever see me again. And I'm going to shoot my brother. <laughs> What kind of marriage was that? And this must all end. She used to have an abortion to like get back it at him. It was an abortion, Michael. That was the worst relationship ever. I can't believe you guys are in on that relationship. I love it. I he love loved it. He loved Apollonia. That was the true love of his life. I've just never seen you so sentimental. It's amazing. Yeah. You're just so hooked into their love. I just like the thought that he It was like a three-month fling. They got married. So what? People can get married in one night. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> For Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, this is The Rewatchables. 